Listeners, we want to thank all of our supporters on Patreon. That is Nick, Matt, Justin, Sarah, and Teddy. We appreciate your money. We're going to do great things with it. And we hope that you are enjoying the Patreon-only perk, Pillow Talk. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it's good. I haven't, haven't listened yet. I don't support the podcast. I'm not entirely sure that my money will go to good use. Uh, I want to see what more this podcast will do before I'm prepared to uh, uh, support it. But that's just me. Yeah. So if you want to do the right thing and support us so that we can go do things, <laughs> you can find us over on patreon.com slash WTHIAP. If we get like three more supporters, we can set up a whole separate podcast feed for Pillow Talks. So you can just have oh, it in your you ears. Go. We can also... Um, Make sure that we have microphones and internet that work all of the time. We could also maybe pay some guests. There you go. Yeah. 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 So if you're interested in helping us be good and kind to everybody who comes on the podcast, and you should be because we've got some great guests coming up, go over to patreon.com slash WTHIAP and give us some money. Or don't. Just share us on you know the social media app of your choice, and uh, we'll feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everybody. to What the Hell is a Pastor, a podcast about life and set-apart ministry. Each week we sit down to discuss our experiences and challenges in small-town parish ministry and in PhD work and ask others to join us as we try to figure out what the hell it is that pastors do and how to do it as best we can. Listeners, this week on the pod, we have a guest who is a, uh, you haven't graduated yet. You're still waiting on graduation. Yeah. Yeah. We have a literal high school senior who is going on to big and great things in the world. And so we just wanted to hear where he's coming from and where he's going and how faith plays a role and all that. So Justin, will you describe yourself in as much detail as you're comfortable? Thank you. Um, Well, I'm a high school senior. Um, It's it's middle of nowhere. I am, I just turned 18. Um, Nick and Angie are my, my, my pastor and uh, the other pastor, clearly, but, you know, not educated. <laughs> Angie's the real pastor, the real in person in charge around here. So, yeah, so that's kind of how I know uh, the, the group here of, you know, the podcast and everything like that. Um, so right now I'm, I'm sitting in their house. Uh, I wasn't allowed to do the podcast. Angie was very firm on that until I turned 18. So I've been a listener for like, like, like a year or so. Um, I think that's the basic intro there. Yeah. I mean, the last year of the podcast, definitely the best year of the podcast. Um, High level. We, we're definitely doing the most during this last year of the podcast or the least, you know, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. Nick and his pillow talk ad is like, if you're still listening to what the hell's a pastor in its current iteration. And I was like, we're not that different. We're just doing the same thing. And then I was listening back to old episodes and I was like, oh, we had a goal and a purpose a year ago. But I think that's, that's true for everybody. Um, so congratulations on your birthday and turning into an adult. Uh, do you feel different? Has adulthood descended upon your shoulders or do you feel like that's just an arbitrary milestone? Uh, well, last night I had a, like a muscle spasm, like a Charlie horse in my uh, right leg. And I felt like, yes, I am an adult now. It's official. It's arrived. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we followed your kind of college application saga of all of the places that wanted you to go there. And then the places that would give you money to go there, which is how, you know, they really want you. So mm-hmm. tell us about where you're going next and what program you're in and uh, the, like you have your major planned, right? You have, yeah. you know what you want to do. Tell us what you want to do, why you want to do it, how you got there. Kind of give us, give us your origin story. Okay. So I'll start with my applications. I applied to um, the University of Scranton, uh, which is my favorite so far, clearly. And then Drew University, which I think a lot of people will be familiar with around here because of the seminary. And then um, 
the Southern Methodist University, and then uh, a few others like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Cornell, University of Pennsylvania. So in total, I, I applied to 10. Um, and then I only got into three, which was, uh, you know, what I was expecting, actually. Uh, I think once I got into University of Scranton and Drew, I did not get into Southern Methodist University, which I thought was interesting. Um, I got into University of Pennsylvania, which, um, you know, I guess it was a little bit weird that I got into the University of Pennsylvania, which has a you know, much lower acceptance rate than, you know, Southern Methodist or um, even like Cornell. But whatever. Uh, they want me and they gave me lots of money. Um, Drew also gave me lots of money. Drew uh, matched the offer that uh, Penn gave me, but Drew isn't exactly an Ivy League or has all the connections that Penn would have. That don't make sense. I like I'm thinking back to my college days. I so I went to a county school in North Carolina, as listeners know, but our guidance counselors were not prepared for people to apply to college. Like at most, they expect you to go to community college and get like a technical degree if you weren't going to go work straight in the factory. And that's just because like the school was set up to train factory workers. It's like a that's the part of the state that I was in. Um, but so <laughs> my guidance counselors didn't know what the SAT two tests were, which you need for Princeton. So by the time I was like fill, filling out my Princeton application and trying to apply to Ivy's, cause there's like a, a common app or there was when I was applying. Um, they just didn't have, they were like, yeah, like the most you need to take is the SAT. Like who would need more than that? And so that's a, there were many schools that I got rejected to just because my guidance counselors were incompetent and I trusted them. Mm. So I'm excited that at least you had a wide array of schools. How'd you pick the schools you applied to? Was it because of their programs? Was it because of their locations? Well, I wanted money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my main concern about applying college is I wanted enough money. So the like Scranton, Drew, and Southern Methodist would be like my very low safety schools. And then everyone else would give me more money. Um, I also applied to Boston and Duke. I didn't say that. Um, oh, I remember right, this. Right, right. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I wanted money. That was my main reason for applying. So I could have applied to all the IVs, but the application fees kind of get hefty after a while because it's mm-hmm. about like 80 bucks to apply to them. Uh, so I did the ones that I wanted, like I kind of liked and wanted to go to. So I didn't want to go to New York City for Columbia, um, you know, things like that. So Philadelphia was, Penn was my lowest of the IVs was kind of how I, I was thinking about it. So when I was opening up my uh, acceptance letters online, I forgot about Penn because I was like, I'm not going to Penn anyway. So clearly I don't need to worry about it. So after like five minutes after I, I opened up every other acceptance letter on the Ivy day, which is the, the day all the Ivies come out, uh, I, I realized that I forgot about Penn and then I opened it and I realized I got into Penn which was exciting because that was, you know, only the third school I got into out of the whole ordeal. So I think my guidance counselors were pretty competent, uh, like really competent actually. So for this year, because of the pandemic, I did not have to take the SATs to get into college. Um, oh, nice. So I do have an SAT score from my junior year, um, but that was the very beginning of junior year, it was like September. So I wasn't really thrilled to submit that to any colleges because it was so early on in my high school education. So um, what I did was I just opted out. And that, I think, really helped me in in a lot of ways because then I wasn't, you know, applying to Ivies against all the 1600s of the world. Um, Yeah. Well, and you weren't having to do like those extra SAT prep classes that some people do and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So, All the Ivy Leaguers, I expected to have like perfect scores. Um, so I wasn't able to take the test in my area because we're in like a really rural area and there was like nowhere around that was still open to take them. So it's not like I could have if I wanted to. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, really excited, enthusiastic about submitting my 1320 against the 1600. So yeah, I hear that. I hear that. SAT scores literally don't matter at all. Right. So. I mean, I say that as somebody with like a 1590, but they don't matter. So, so I went to, I also went to a state school. I see Ethan laughing. Do you, do you remember your SAT score? I had a, I had a 1030. Nice. <laughs> you went to college? <laughs> I, I went to college. That's true. That's um, true. 
So I went to, I went to Carolina and, um, it like, it's, I feel like it's the same as university of Pennsylvania in terms of like within the state, this is like the school you go to if you're going to an in-state school. Um, and I, I got into the honors Carolina program, I think mostly because, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to be like, cause I was from a, a rural part of the state and uh, that was that had a big part to do with like why they were admitting me why they were throwing money at me because like it's technically an underserved population but mm. I also was like going to be a low maintenance student they could tell I think um and so did did you find that colleges were looking looking paying more attention to you because you were rural or is it more that just like these are the schools you applied to you feel like it was a pretty straightforward process did you talk to any admissions people like how'd it go for you okay so first of all um you don't go to university of pennsylvania if you're in pennsylvania that's like (laughs) uh, you go to penn state uh, Penn State oh, is yeah, like, Penn State. Yeah, it's the big one. My dad went to Penn State. Yeah, it's like one of the okay. largest universities in the world, I believe. It's like has a huge population. That's um, true. Okay, so then how does UPenn fit into it? Do you call it UPenn? What do you call it? Um, Penn refers to itself as Penn, um, but okay. everyone outside of Penn calls it UPenn because they get mixed up with Penn State. Um, and then everyone at, at University of Pennsylvania is really upset by that, so they obviously, uh, you know are really annoying and yeah, stuck up about it. <laughs> um, used to it. Yeah. So no one really talked to me uh, through it. Ethan was the only one who actually told me to apply to Ivy's. Everyone else was like, kind of like, you know, whatever. I, I don't care why you're talking to me about this. <laughs> um, so I kind of set my own goals and I, I figured everything out myself. I researched all the schools and I, I kind of just applied to them off of like a, like a whim, like a kind of a, it's kind of what I felt like I had to do that it was important to me. So it wasn't too much thought going into having to apply to them. It was more about uh, the application process itself was excruciatingly long and, and painful because of, you know, the 65 essays I wrote for each college. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is a pain in the rear end. Um, so you just said that like this was something that you that you wanted to do that you kind of felt that you had to do like why why is college what you want to do and what you have to do like what what's driving you toward this uh hopefully a small amount of debt but at least like four years of extra learning well um i mostly just want to get out of here that's like my main goal so at university of pennsylvania i will graduate with no debt uh no matter my financial situation which is why I was so excited about it. Um, so I really just want to get out of this area, get out of my house um, and go live, you know, anywhere else. Um, so it just so happens to be Philadelphia and I'm happy with that, I guess. Nice. Ethan, did you, you, are you into college? Do, do you have the same kind of like college is what I am supposed to do? Or were you like, I need to be somewhere other than where I'm at? I had a mixture of that. I, I for my story is essentially that I was so done with high school and sort of fed up with high school. I had a, you know, I, it's not necessarily for me that I hated my area that I grew up in or, 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 or was like tired of that part of it. It was more that I needed to be doing something different. And uh, so I had that going on. And then, and then, you know, I, I definitely had the, and I think a lot of folks in, in, our generation had this where had the, well, yeah, now you go to college or you go and you do, Mm. you know, you do something like that. Right. And so I never really questioned that piece um, in me, even though like I was loud, I was lousy at college. You know, I didn't start getting good at school until grad school. (laughs) Like I, I sucked at college. And so there, there, an argument could have very well been made that I should not have been in college, but um I don't know. Yeah, I, Justin, I'm really, I'm really excited for you about UPenn. I, I think very highly of UPenn. There would have never have been a chance in hell I'd have been able to go to UPenn. Um, but like I, I, you know, when I graduated college and was starting to look, you know, was in seminary and starting to look at more education even after seminary, UPenn. UPenn was always one that if, if I could have made it work, I'd have applied to UPenn because I, 
I think very highly of you, Penn. And I, even though my wife does not like Philadelphia, I like Philadelphia. <laughs> Philadelphia is very cool um, and has a great music scene and, and all kinds of stuff. I have a buddy who lives in Philadelphia uh, that, that if, if, if the uh, desire to listen to a bunch of local rock and folk bands ever strikes you, you let me know and I will get you connected to that. <laughs> I think going uh, yeah. to uh, dumpy music venues is part of the college experience. And it's That's one right. that Ian did not have at all. So like we went to, we went to one concert in DC that was like, it, it was an independent rapper who I love. And I was like, let's do this. It'll be great. You'll love it. And like, we had to stand the whole time. And Ian is not a person who stands for long periods of time. And he's like, I couldn't understand everything. And there was everybody around. And I was like, yeah, it was great. So that just be prepared for, for those things in your life. Um, so you, what's your, what is your planned major, Justin? And why did you pick it? And uh, is it something that you are like dead set? This is what I need to do because it's my career. Or is it I'm interested in this and I want to see where it goes? So I, I applied uh, planning on going into sociology for my major. Um, I haven't figured out a minor yet, but sociology is, is what I was going to go for. Um, I think in the future, it'll help me with going on to uh, different things. It's kind of like, what I imagine in my head as like a stepping stone into like uh, public life without, you can do history or government was also the other two uh, big options there. And history is very similar to sociology. Uh, so it's like anthropology. So it, they're all like very connected. And <clears throat> I wasn't really, it's not like I, I want, I'm so passionate about sociology. It's more like, it's more like a logical step. Hmm. Um, and then uh, I also think it's like useful at, clearly. <laughs> um, I do a lot of like social thinking in, in my writing. Um, like I won the Scholastic Writing Award um, for Ooh. my story. Uh, so that's, that was a big thing for the whole New England region. Um, wow. So that's a lot of people. And <laughs> uh, I won it based on my writing, which was incorporating socio sociological ideas uh, about uh, oppressed peoples, essentially. Nice. Mm -hmm. How'd you hear about that competition? Like, did a teacher submit something for you? How did that go? Uh, my lovely English and poetry teacher uh, told me that there was no way I wasn't going to do that. So she paid for my application fee and everything like that. And wow. uh, she got me there. I also submitted a few poems and, and different things to the competition. But the short story is what I won with, which was cool. Nice. That's very cool. What's the plot of the short story? Okay, you're gonna you're gonna like this one. Um, okay. So, the short story is like a modern rendition of the Last Supper. Ooh. So, yeah. um, Jesus is a black minister in the same town. Uh, I was thinking like Charlottesville kind of vibe, um, and so the black minister got all these uh, people gathered up, and they were gonna have a dinner together. Um, and the last person they invited was the white minister, which was like a juxtaposition there, um, who. So the other people involved were like, it was like a little kid in poverty was kind of the idea. Um, and then like a immigrant woman, um, a Muslim imam um, who was like the other faith leader that was involved and <clears throat> was a, a gay man and a trans woman and like a Native American. And then there was all these people kind of coming together and, and having like a, a dinner. Um, and then the white minister came in, he was the last person to arrive and he started asking questions about why these people were here um, and why did he get an invitation from um, the local gay bar because uh, the gay man was in charge of writing the invites and put the return address on there. Uh, so when his church secretary got it, he was so upset uh, that why was he getting mail from the, from these people? And then eventually he stormed off and <clears throat> he sat in his car outside the, the, the place they were having dinner um, and he waited for everyone to leave. And then he followed the, the black minister home uh, who black minister was going with the immigrant woman and then when they got home to like the church and parsonage uh the black minister opened the church up and put the immigrant woman inside and uh for like housing and then the black minister went home and then the white minister uh called the police and reported the, the immigrant woman and that's kind of how it ended wow Whew. that's good. Not good that sounds great but bad ending <laughs> yeah, like a real shocker and I, yeah yeah i'll send it to you later i guess 
Yeah, yeah. Sure, I'd absolutely. love to read it. Uh, did you do how did you research for that was that something that you like thought the plot through and it just came out or did you go read into different people's experiences how did how did it come into being well it was kind of I was kind of aware of a lot of the different like perspectives of going into it um but it was more of like an idea I just had like one night that was like do like a like a last supper idea um and then I was also very involved with like Black Lives Matter like rally in my town um so I was I wanted like to nudge everyone in my area um with this story uh so that was I kind of want to get people thinking about it was mostly what I was going for so it it's not perfect by any means I don't I, it wasn't well informed in every aspect um and it, but it was I think um a good thing for like my parents to see and for like them to see about what I'm writing and what I'm thinking about yeah uh, and my, my teachers some of them have kept it and like showed it their classes and they wanted uh to show other people what I was thinking about I was I was thinking about and uh these other ideas um so I'm not sure there's too much research that went into it besides like my background knowledge in those areas um or just the very basic experiences that people have and like what I've seen online of, of their testimonies of living and existing. Um, so that's kind of what I just, I kind of went with. And then the, the gay man, um, he used Matthew Shepard's story as like a plot line. Gotcha. Um, so I, that, that was like an actual informed event that I did plan into there, so. That's cool. That's awesome, yeah. Um, it's a, it, there's such a um, hmm, difference in interest between like the generations. Like my parents' generation would hear a story like of that and be like, "Why are you making everything so political?" But I feel like generations younger generations but especially your generation would hear that and be like, "Well, these are just all of the people in the world. Like these are just people that that exist here." Um, and so to like to to very intentionally include all of these different stories that like that you have seen through like the internet which they would not have interacted with in the same way at the at the time that like when they were teenagers they would not have thought to write something like this um i, I just i think it's interesting the different ways that it hits people uh because because the olds are fascinating um I had a question coming out of all that, that, ew, but it's gone. It's gone. I feel like a lot of high school seniors get asked questions like, who's your favorite teacher? Or like, what are you going to miss about high school? But you also were uh, in high school during COVID. So like, how, how did that change your high school experience? How did it change your interaction with your teachers? Do you feel like you were cheated out of something? Do you feel like it was a new experience? Talk to us about COVID high school. Um, well, it was terrible. Uh, starts to finish so it was the end sort of the end wasn't quite the end yet of my junior year where uh you know everything went bad so it was march 13th friday to march 13th which was you know ironic so we all thought it was funny at the time right you know we got we got a school for two weeks um and then two weeks turned into two more weeks and then two more weeks and then we were gonna be out for the rest of the school year and then we're gonna return back in you know the fall and be fine uh and that didn't happen so um, the first few, like three months that we were out was like terrible for school, um, because no one had any plans. Like we were like a rural area. There was like no internet connection anywhere. Um, you know, 40% of our kids live in poverty at the school. So like, there is like no access to stuff. Um, so it was a lot of the, the teachers that incredible amount of work. So they would go to school and they would print out like worksheets and they would drive to each individual kid's house and drop oh, wow. off sheets um and that some like it was like the younger kids mostly like kindergarten uh, first grade where it was most essential that they got the the education at that level um whereas like a high schooler could make it up in the summer or the following year so that was like really the the, the hardest time i think and then through the summer summer was weird because uh it was such a conservative area that um no one acted like it was anything different but everything kind of was different because everything, like all the big events were canceled. Uh, no one's gone on vacation. So we were all kind of like cooped up in our like little town and no one was able to do anything but cause trouble, um, which 
I happily partake in. Uh, so uh, after George Floyd, uh, uh, which was just about a year ago now, um, we planned a rally for Black Lives Matter. A few kids and I um, were kind of like the, the liberals of the school. So, <laughs> so we, we planned this rally um, and we raised uh, $1,500 for the bailout fund. Oh, and wow. that got everyone upset. Like everyone was like furious that that happened. Um, so then we planned another one uh, in August and then in the combined, we got that amount. Uh, so we just stood on the four corners of the, of the main street in town and uh, we collected enough donations. Um, wow. So we got, you know, I was called everything in the book, just out the windows. People like threw cigars and cigarettes at me out the, you know, the big truck windows. And uh, you know, you know, when they rev their engines and they get the black smoke going and right in your face. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's what we did. And it was totally student run too. So it was like, everyone was not an adult. Um, so wow. it was just doing this, um, like 16, 17 year olds. Um, so it was, that, that it was kind of like, value stuff, right? There. Right. Right. So it was kind of like, we, we held up and make a mirror in front of everyone and said like, this is what you're kind of like doing to like, like these kids. Um, and a yeah. lot of people were upset by it and, or is conflicted in general. Um, so I, I've heard a lot of people from the community say like, like, I just don't know what to think. I don't know what to, to believe about this um, because there is just so much terrible things happening uh, here between us. Um, and then they started calling for like unity and stuff like that, which was just, you know, silly, you know, the silly things they do. Um, and then, so right after, right before our rallies that we did, um, that was, Right before that was the anti-mask rally that was held at the courthouse. Um, oh, yeah. You know about because Nick got in trouble for you know yelling mm-hmm. at people online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was it. Was like right after that, and it was kind of like the juxtaposition, I think, like a contrast. So we were all wearing masks, obviously, and we were doing things the right way. And um, they still had more people show up to the rally. We had 150 people uh, about. And they had probably like 300. <laughs> so, wow. you know, it was, it was funny and like a very like dry, ironic way. Um, but I think in total, it was, like, it, was, it was a positive thing for our community, but and especially for like me and my development and like other students around us, even like in school who didn't participate, uh, they're starting to hear these like, concepts and ideas and get exposed to it and not just what their, you know, the parents and the, the communities ingraining of them um, that's been festering here for a few years. And then later on in the summer, uh, someone had put Black Lives Matter on a big rock outside of a. So there's a few towns in our county, but it was like a really small conservative town. Like uh, you, you don't want to go there walking at night kind of thing if you're anything but like a white straight male. Um, and so they put Black Lives Matter on a big rock that goes like a highway that passes by it. Um, and it's like, there was like, like an old saying that was like painted on there from like 50 years ago. It was like, I don't know, like stay free or something like that. It was something funny and like stupid. And um, they painted this on there. And um, that got everyone in that like little town really angry um, because they were like, it was like the most quintessence, like little conservative town you could possibly think of. Um, so they got their own rally going again. And there was like, the precursor to the capital riots I, i'm telling you it was it was like it was awful um they had probably like a hundred people there uh with like confederate flags and like we're in pennsylvania we're in northeastern pennsylvania uh like my ancestor was william henry seward who was uh, you know secretary of state to abraham lincoln like we are what? not yeah not confederate at all and it was it was silly that's that's the best word i can think of it, it was silly <laughs> Your ancestor is the one who bought Alaska, right? Correct. And also like killed lots of Native Americans. And Yeah. 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 Oh, interesting. Um, sorry. That was not the most important yeah. takeaway from your story. Right. But huh. I, so we had some high schoolers who were participating in the protests that, that I was helping to run, but it must be just a different experience when like you, the high schoolers are the ones just leading everything. Um, and nobody could accuse you of busting in people from out of town because you're high schoolers. How would you know to do that? Uh, did you find that like the police didn't take you seriously? And did people, did people get angry at you, but also kind of just like give you a pass because you're a kid? Like, was that a part of the dynamic at all? Well, um, the police situation was interesting. Um, 
because like we had some kids of police officers involved. Um, and then we have some more progressive police officers too. Uh, we have a, a female gay police officer who was in support of Black Lives Matter. Um, and she was like our biggest ally through that. Um, so we, I don't know, it was, it's kind of like an eclection around here of like people from different areas because uh, you always leave Tonkanic to go to get your schooling or you go anywhere else to get some experiences in the world and then you come back. Um, so that really like that opens some doors, but it's like a weird mix of things. Uh, it doesn't really blend well together. Hmm. So the police thing situation was uh, they knew us since we were like, you know, non-existent. So they were very kind to us. They were, uh, they were doing what they should have and what they were supposed to do. Uh, and we did everything the right way to do like the courthouse. And we talked to the mayor and got the, the chief of police uh, involved and they were aware of what was happening and uh, they were okay with it. They were, I think, the people who were involved on like the local government levels were more excited to see kids involved with things at all um, than you know upset that we were doing something progressive instead of conservative. Um, because if we put like an anti-abortion rally together, uh, they would be thrilled. Um, they would be so happy <laughs> about that. Um, but like when the, the, the councilman gave us a hundred dollars, she's the first donation, he gave us a hundred dollars out of his wallet and said, I like what your kids are, are doing by standing up. So he gave us a hundred dollars, um, which was totally like a publicity stunt, right? So it was kind of, yeah. it was, it was uh, annoying, but money's money, whatever. Um, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so we, we had a good situation, I think, safety wise. That's good. That's good. That was uh, the 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 big benefit that we had from having adults in in the group was just that we had people who were experienced in planning protests and um, experienced in protest safety and being able to set up medics and all this kind of stuff. Um, but like outside of that, like I don't know what the benefit is other than like having well connected adults. But even then, that's it's it's interesting to plan a protest and it's interesting to see all the people react to your protest. Um, I, I always, I'm always interested to hear how it goes in rural areas. That was one of the big talking points around the George Floyd protest was that it went beyond just cities to people were planning, however many people it was, they're planning it in rural areas. So it's good that you're part of like that testament and that history. I'm into that. That's great. Do you think that you'll do activist stuff when you're in Philly or do you think that, um, do you think you'll get connected to people doing Black Lives Matter stuff or do you think that you'll focus on studies and kind of doing the finding yourself that we all do in college? Um, I plan on being very active in activism and civic engagement. Um, I was, I applied to the Civic Scholars, which is like an honors program through Penn, um, which you've heard about, uh, but it's kind of like a civic engagement program where you get involved with local community and activist organizations and you fundraise and you help out and you volunteer and you um, get, you. it's all about networking is technically like the, the main goal of it, but uh, it's it's kind of like what I wanna get into. So I have all these connections and relationships and I can uh, continue on into the future with doing important stuff like that. Nice, mm. that's great. Um, yeah, I have a bunch of other questions, but Ethan, do you have anything that you have been sitting on that you wanted to ask about? Um, well, I've just been listening and it's been really great to hear, Justin, about the ways in which you, um, I'm going to say, discovered more things about what you're interested in and who you are, even in the midst of like how awful COVID is and <laughs> how, how terrible, how terrible the whole thing is. Um, what are you most excited about uh, and most interested in doing uh, at UPenn? And, and not just at UPenn, but like when you leave, like when you get out and you're, okay, you're in Philly now, you're in a new school now, you, what, when you think about that time, like what excites you the most about that opportunity? Um, well, it's kind of like being myself because I'm not really allowed to be myself around here. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, hesitations about, uh, allowing myself to, you know, be like exist in, in my true form um, because there's a lot of uh, biases and uh, it's very hard to succeed in like our community because it's so small uh, without like a good public opinion of you. So I'm hoping to just uh, get out and be free. Um, and I wanna uh, 
just I want to figure myself out because I haven't been allowed to do that so far, um, but also uh, work on things that I'm already know that I need to do. Uh, so I usually say like, I don't know what I'm going to learn. Um, like I don't know what's going to be there, but uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to, to learn what I don't know so far. Um, I'm also excited to expand on things I do know and I'm, I'm already certain on. Cool. That's great. That's great. So what are things that you know that you are going to expand on? Well, that would include like activism work and uh, and going to more church traditions and, and expanding on my, my theology and like uh, practices of theology and different uh, ideologies concerning church and like how you do that and how you practice church and how you be the church. Uh, because around here we don't have uh, as much opportunity to to experiment or to figure that kind of thing out. Um, like I'm very, I've grown close to like a, the Episcopal tradition, um, but there's only one Episcopal church around here for like 20 miles, and uh, I haven't been able to visit it so far. So I'm hoping that I can go down to like St. Mary's Cathedral, uh, which is right on Penn's campus. It was it was part of Penn uh, campus for a long time until it became independent. Um, so I'm hoping to uh, kind of expand in that direction and to kind of experiment with different things like that. I went to a university church in undergrad and I loved it. Um, but it was also, I, I have found that what I really love in a church is a music program. <laughs> and so when there, when there is that, I'm happy. And when there's not, I'm like, oh, well, what am I supposed to do? So just like by virtue of being in a place with a bunch of different people who have practiced different religions, I, you're going to do a lot of that learning. Are you going to do a lot of church shopping? Are you, how are you going to be intentional about either learning more or finding a Christian community that you really fit in? Or are you interested in finding a community? Um, so my, my first, I have a checklist of things I, I need from like churches and whatever. And first is always like affirming, like it has to be affirming. There's no questions asked. Um, and then it's uh, kind of like a sort of like a vibrancy of community or like a I can, I can tell there's like a passion behind them. And it's not just like, you know, old people going to church every Sunday. Um, and then from there, it's kind of like uh, location. It's like very you know, basic things. You know, I can get there easily. I don't have to worry about um, certain people. I don't have to worry about uh, money. So things like that. Because um, around here, like our church isn't. It's obviously not reconciling, um, but uh, I, I need something affirming uh, to you because that's the main reason I want to get out is uh, nothing's affirming around here. Nothing's uh, uh, okay with me and I, I need, I need something different. Yeah. You deserve that. Absolutely. Um, hmm. So what, this is kind of, this is another two-part question. I realize that's the only type of question that I've been capable of asking this whole time, but why, um, why does Christian community do for you? Uh, like why, why is that something that you would want to continue to be a part of when you're in school? Um, and do you expect that the Christian communities are going to be a lot different in Philadelphia versus where you are now. Like, I know, I know that you have kind of a handle on like the role scene. Do you think that there are going to be churches that are going to meet your expectations in Philly? Um, well, my expectations right now, like my standards are really low. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so you did just go through the checklist. <laughs> like, I just don't know. I, I have no experience with this. I, I, I can hope, but I, I can't be certain. Um, so that's kind of how, like my mentality of going into it is like, uh, I hope so, but I'm not going to be crushed if it's, you know, not what I expect. Oh, that's good. Um, so, so why do you want to go to, why do you want to be in Christian community? Why do you want to go to a church? Right. Like, is it, it, yeah, go ahead and just answer it. I don't need to okay. give you example answers. Um, well, I think it's important, first of all, to be in community. Like that's something I take away from a, a rural stance, like very well, uh, is that like community is like really important for me um, in the sense like, if I need something, I, I, I need someone to help me out. <laughs> um, like that's like something I've learned like really well from this community. Uh, although it has many, many uh, bad things about itself is that uh, if I truly did need something, people would reach out and, and help me with that. And I hope that I can find something like that in Philly because there was like a, a real 
like social rural urban divide, which uh, involves a community in sense, really doesn't really have a cohesive community. It's more of a, a mix of little tiny communities built up together. And I'm hoping that there is something out there for me uh, which would take the ideals of like helping each other out, um, which what I expect would be Christian or it could be interfaith or it could be a entirely different faith at all. Uh, I don't really, I don't really care. <laughs> what I'm hoping is, is to find uh, people who would care about me. Mm, that's good. Um, have you thought about going to a campus ministry? Have any, did the campus ministry reach out to you yet? I guess it's early, so they wouldn't yet, but are you more interested in a church that might have more generations or would a campus ministry kind of like suit that, that need of people who would be there for you? Um, I would prefer a, like an outside congregation. Um, because mm -hmm. I, I think intergenerational, uh, congregations are really important and, uh, campus ministry would be mostly people from, uh, the school. So it'd be a lot younger, but yeah, I'm still open to anything. I'm not going to, you know, you know, check it off because it, it doesn't, you know, perfectly align with it. I think right now. That's great. Mm -hmm. Oh man. What, that's such a freeing idea of like, I, I will see what it is and it's okay if it's not what I want it to be. Um, that was not any of the ideas that I had when I went to college. I had agendas and I, I, Ethan, why do you make that face? Because it, because of course you did. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, any, anybody listening to this podcast for more than four episodes it would be like, yeah, it checks out. It checks out. I want to control the world. Well, sure. Um, Okay. And now I'm, now my train of thought is lost. Cause now I'm, you're all flustered. <laughs> now I'm out of control. I don't know what's happening next. Uh, let's see. We covered, we covered COVID stuff. We talked about college stuff. We talked about like kind of what's happening next. Um, do you, Ethan, do you have another question that you've been sitting on? Cause I'm just going to ask about, uh, tell us Pastor Nick stories after this. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, well, I mean, Justin, other than the fact that that I'm just really pumped for you and excited for you, you know, I I, I would want to do uh, another one of these, you know, several months into your time at UPenn just to hear about just even in the ways you've changed the last couple of months or the things you've experienced or or whatever, because I think that, you know, I think that for somebody like you coming out of a, a town like where you've lived your whole life and 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 you know, being plopped down in, in what it, in so many ways is, is, is a completely new kind of thing, you know, a new kind of set of, of, of um, experiences and set of expectations. You're not only moving to the big city, you're moving to an Ivy league school in the big city. You know, it, it, it's a whole new kind of a thing. And that's, and that's really exciting. Like that, that's something that I don't think you should, I, and I don't think you're, you, you've been expressing that you're intimidated by but because I don't think you should be intimidated by it. Like, I think it's, I think it, there, there are so many things that are now open. Right. Uh, and, and that's something that as somebody who um, did not, as somebody who, who like who the choices that I have made, particularly even when I turned 18, did not open a ton of doors for me. It closed most of the doors for me because I, I wanted to do something, you know, at the time that was different. It excites me that like, that's not, that's not what's happening for you. You know, you, you, you're, you're oriented towards this experience in such an open way um, that now you can, gosh, you can do, do whatever you want, you know, and, and, and you're, you're set for that. And that is so cool. That's so cool. Uh, and I'm jealous. I'm jealous that you get to go to UPenn. That's exciting. So, no, I don't have a question. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just enjoying. I'm just enjoying listening. I feel like that was a good demonstration of what most questions are like in college classes, though. It's a, I'm more of a statement. That's right. That's right. I guess I have a statement. Really, should women learn how to read? Like, like <laughs> no. That, that's that's seminary. That's actually a seminary statement. That's true. That's true. Uh, Justin, do you have a plan for not becoming like one of those guys in college, like becoming one of those people who, who has more of a statement than a question? Like how, what's going to keep you humble in the big city? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, 
I hope I can just, you know, not become an idiot. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, I think right now I'm, I'm a big mouth, but I'm not sure that I'm going to have such a big mouth when I become like, everyone gets the kind of like the, I don't belong here vibes at Ivy leagues, which I've, I've read about so far and like different blogs. Um, so I don't think I'm going to be as vocal in my beginning time, but once I've become more experienced, I probably will, which might become a problem in the future, but <laughs> right now I'm, I'm hoping I'll be okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's okay. As long you're, as you're aware, I feel like that's uh, one of the things about college is that nobody tells you how pretentious it can make you feel uh, when you're talking to, to people, but I feel like you know, I feel like you have done a lot more research about the college experience. <laughs> like, I feel like you have a better idea of this than, than I ever did, which is good. It's good to know what you're going into. Um, is there, is there anything that you're going to miss about, about home? Do you think, is there anything that you, uh, are like morning leaving or is it like, you're just excited for the great new frontier? Um, well, I should probably tell like my like personal story, I think is probably the best way of getting me uh, what I might miss. Uh, so I grew up in this church. Uh, my mother had cancer at, when I was four. And uh, this church uh, was kind of like the community that reached out and supported her during that time. Um, it was, she had four kids, including like me. Uh, so I went, I went to work with my father and he worked at the Diocese of Scranton. Um, for the Catholic Church, and uh, he was a chef. So I went to work with him at like four years old, and I was like mopping floors and stuff. And that was also the time, coincidentally, that there was all these scandals going on, um, like happening currently. <laughs> that was like like 2007. Um, so it was, it was an interesting like growing up experience was having all these like it was very interfaith in, in like an ecumenical. Uh, I kind of like knew there was other things beyond like what I was growing up in. So after my mother uh, uh, beat cancer, she joined the, the this Methodist church and she got all of us baptized at once because none of her kids were baptized. Um, so I was like, just kind of like thrown into this community and uh, I went to preschool and I went to school, I was like, whatever. And then in high school was kind of when, you know, clearly everything changes, you know, it's, it's kind of like funny, but it's, it's true. Um, like, so in freshman year, I was, I was like that annoying conservative kid um, in like all the English classes. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm, I was the annoying conservative kid. Uh, it was just kind of like how I was growing up with. Um, and uh, my, for my ninth grade English teacher uh, was kind of who, uh, told me off in like the most polite way of like, go do your research. Um, and we still have a great relationship to this day. And uh, she's really, she kind of like kindled like the, the opposing file fire in my spirit to kind of uh, do research and, and truly understand what's going on and not just uh, believe what I've been told, I guess. So that was her. And then my 10th grade teacher uh, was the same teacher who did, who suggested that I apply for the competition for the writing awards. And uh, she is like the most quintessential poetry English teacher you could ever think of. Um, she's amazing. She's uh, in the running for a teacher of the year, for PA teacher of the year. Um, she's top 10 finalist. And I've been uh, working with her and helping her through that because she has to like make videos and write essays and do speeches and uh, all to qualify her for the next round of the competition. Um, so she really got me she I think she really showed me like there is like other people who are like actual people and like have a humanity to them and like I need to see that I need to recognize that and I need to work with that um that I need to engage with them and and, and see them for like as people and not just as uh, other entities outside of myself um it's kind of like my awakening time I guess uh, I was coming into like I am a person and there's other people too um and then uh, and then 11th grade, uh, you know, that was when COVID hit. And I don't remember much some of that time. It was kind of like a memory blank for me. And and then here I am a senior year. But um, 10th grade with this English teacher, I realized that I was gay. And that that's not a no, that's a big no-no around here. Uh, that can't happen. Um, 
especially with like a prominent family like mine, it, it's uh, been a big problem for me. Uh, so I was very upset and very scared for a long time. So I became uh, severely depressed and I, I've been depressed for about two and a half years. So then I, uh, I had thoughts of suicide about a few months ago. It was probably January time and it was like really severe. So that's when I reached out to Pastor Nick and Angie. Um, so they were the first adults that I came out to and they were, it was so funny when they, when they uh, found out uh, they were, um, I, I imagine in my head, like they were sitting down on the couch and like, I was sitting in, like an armchair and I was like, mom, dad, I'm gay. And then they were like, Oh honey, we love you anyways. It's like, you know, that kind of like situation. And because it was just like that, it was like, Oh, we, uh, and I don't know. It was funny. I, I found it. I found it amusing when I did it. Like, it wasn't like, I wasn't like scared at all or like upset. I was kind of just like, uh, I need someone to talk to. I need someone to help me out here. Um, and they've done a good job with that. You know, um, the one thing I would say, I'm going to critique them here. Uh, they were like, yeah, we, we figured we, we kind of knew. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I Is that know. not the right thing to say to a person? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so a little bit before that, the first person I came out to was my friend. Um, his name was, I'm not gonna say his name, whatever. And it was at a church camp, um, which was funny. I, I found it ironic. Uh, I find a lot of things ironic just because I have to. Um, so he was, uh, we're, well, this has a Teo. Ethan knows it was a Teo. Um, and we were in a hotel and I was like, I think I need to tell you something. And then it just came out. And he never talked to me again. So that was like a really weird experience that I, I had and I am not okay with that. Um, mm. Still not okay with that. Uh, and then I was kind of more logical about who I talked to um, after that. So it took me a long time to work up to anyone else. And then I, I found you know, other queer people from my school and I kind of you know figured myself out that way. Um, and then I've branched out much more recently. I've been doing a lot better like mentally um, because it, it was like really bad for a long time. Um, and then actually when I started talking to people was when I started affecting my academics because uh, I was worried about uh, you know, getting into school and stuff like that. Yeah, isn't it, isn't it funny that, um, that that's kind of where we're at as a society is that like your brain can be terrible uh, but if it's impacting your job or your potential for a future job, that's when you gotta talk to somebody. Not criticizing you, just like that—that that, like this is the world that we're in, you know. Um, wow, uh, I—I'm <laughs> I, thinking I, I'm like picturing Nick and Angie being like, "Yeah, we knew," and I can completely see them saying that. Um, I, but. I, like as I've come out to people too, there's there have been a number of people who've been like, well, we could have guessed. And I'm like, but this was a surprise to me. Like, just be excited with me. Um, yeah, there's, it's uh, coming out of such a, a unique thing in this world uh, that like there are a million different ways to do it and a million different responses to it. Uh, and it will be everywhere on the range. Um, but it'll be nice to be at college and out, like just to see what that life is. I'm excited for that for you. Yeah. Um, so um, uh, every adult I've come out to has had that same reaction, um, which I don't know why it's so popular. Like there's a lot of reactions you could have. That is not the best one. <laughs> for everyone <laughs> listening to the podcast, that is not the way to go. Don't say you knew, don't say you figured, don't say you could guess. Um, that's not the way to go. Um, what is the way to go? Tell us, tell us what the best way is so that our listeners will know the next time this comes around. Uh, very simple. Like, I love you. You're, you're, you're perfect in my eyes. You're, 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 you're okay. Uh, there's nothing. <laughs> very wrong. simple. Very yeah. simple. You're flawless. Everything about you is great. <laughs> that's, that's like what you need to hear when you're in that situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. Oh, that's good. Um, man much better than my mom who was like do you have to break up with ian now that you're bi i'm like it's not how any of this works um you should have been like oh my gosh you're i think i might <laughs> <laughs> let me just go find all of the partners no um 
Well, I hope that like, well, I'm just very excited for you to be who you are. Like, that's fantastic. And I hope that most of the people that you encounter in college and in your friend groups are just excited for you to be you. Cause that's, that is also what you deserve in life. Ethan, did you unmute? Cause you had a question, you had a thought or are you? Uh, I was going to make a bad joke about never need. Now I can't talk to Justin again because I found out he was gay, but then I was like, <laughs> no, it's just a bad joke. And I don't need to make that. Cause that's a dumb joke. Um, I, so, so Justin, I, I, in no way, I'm, I'm not trying to be like, oh yeah, you know, I, I can, I can totally relate because I'm, I'm not gay. But something that I, I can say is that college is there. There's of course shitty people in college, but college, uh, I have discovered from pretty much everybody I've talked to, uh, and in my own experience, is that college is a wonderful time where you really do find your people. So like, so like that's, that's something that I think that I have just about a hundred percent confidence in for you is that it's not going to take you long to arrive at, at UPenn and, and, and you'll be like, wow, this is here. You guys are, <laughs> you know, the, the people I've always wanted to be around, you know, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be really good. And I also think that you are, um, you're aware of your mental health, which is not something that everybody going into college knows. And I think that, I assume that like, you'll be willing to go to like campus health or wherever. So like, cause college can put pressure on you. It can do a number on your mental health. You at least know to like, go get help for your mental health. And like, that'll be a big important part of it too. Um, cause that's like, not everybody from a small town even knows what to look for and knows what to call depression. So that's like that is experience that you have that will also help you like going forward i think um yeah well back when i was like i'm a very logical person like how i think through things just because i have to be um so i was like i just need to get to college so i can have these resources because i have no resources here mm. um uh, my, my parents still don't know so they are uh not helpful in any way. Um, so that's why I work so hard to get into a good college so I could get there um, and I can get out of here. Uh, because it was, this is kind of like a dream of mine for about, you know, three years, I guess, is to be able to get out um, and then have resources afforded to me that I don't have to worry about. Because um, I found a community um, in, my, in my people, I guess, uh, like online before. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of something that's new for my generation, I guess. Uh, so like, uh, you two know about my Twitter. Uh, I had it on a Twitter for a long time and I, I, Twitter is where I put like all my dumb thoughts in where like, I had absolutely like no thought beforehand. I was just like, huh, I'm gonna say something. Um, and then I, I was wrong, like most of the time. Uh, so then like, I found lots of people on there, uh, who I, I, I still talk to, uh, after I had to delete my Twitter, uh, because my mother found it. Uh, and she, it wasn't like explicitly that I was, uh, gay, but it was, very close to like you know subtly you know urging that way um so my excuse was all these clergy people are from the methodist church so obviously they are talking about uh gay people a lot <laughs> um which is why i was enjoying in that conversation so you're doing research you're just learning yeah yes. yeah um and so i've had a lie a lot recently i guess um because after she got my twitter she's been like really suspicious of me and uh that's been like a psychological warfare between us um mm. so sadly I, I i have to like lie like a lot and i, I have i don't know it's been a weird like moral dilemma i have of uh, do i need to survive or do i need to uh you know do something wrong uh do i need to lie to them or i guess gaslight is the word i use now is <laughs> is do i need to like you know do some manipulation to just get them to go away um to get them to stop thinking about me to uh uh, just so I don't have, I don't have to go to like a really bad situation for myself. Um, so that's kind of like the struggle I've been having recently, I guess. Um, and then, uh, I may have found a boyfriend, um, online also. And then, yes, it's, that's been interesting. Um, so we've, he's been really helpful and, uh, he's in a very similar situation that I am. And, uh, we've been good. <laughs> he's kind of kept me going uh, these last few months, I guess. Good. Um, yeah. I, um, just in case you're worried 
that you are gaslighting. I feel like gaslighting is is a term that we use a lot, but it, it like abusers gaslight. People in power gaslight people who have less power. And in the situation that you're in, your parents are the ones with the power. They, they're the ones who are, uh, if anybody's going to gaslight anybody, it would be them. So you're just, you're surviving. And that is, that's what you got to do. Because again, you deserve to survive. I, and I'm excited that the internet has been this very helpful thing for you. Um, Cause it is, that's something that is very different. Even just like 10 years of difference now of the internet being around and being something that like people use to really connect together and not just be weird hackers. Like Facebook started my freshman year of college. Like that is how different the media landscape is um, between just like in, in the difference in our ages. Uh, so I'm glad that the internet has been there for you. Cause like when the world is not there for you, finding your people on the internet, like that makes so it makes a real difference. I think that's really true. Well, we are we are at an hour, um, and we'll need to figure out something for the minisode. But Justin, do you have anything you you asked to come on the pod, and you are a patron? So, do you have any last words you want to throw out? You want to have the the last note in this episode? Um, well, I have nothing. I have no new thoughts. Right, uh, uh, mind empty, clearly, because that's how it always works. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess thanks for uh, making the podcast that I can listen to and kind of uh, get away for a few uh, hours in a week. So that's always been very helpful for me. Thank you for listening. And thank you for coming on the podcast. This has been a delight. Like Ethan said, we'll have to have you back once you are in college and your wings are unfurled and you are who you want to be. That's it's going to be exciting. Ethan, you want to sign us off? Yes. Friends, thanks for listening. This has been an episode of What the Hell is a Pastor? We are Ethan and Joe and Justin, and we will see you next time.